0: What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, it's your host, Charles, and today we've got another great trading episode for you. I'm going to be sitting down with Joshonomics. Uh, We're going to be talking about a couple things, mainly his trading strategy, uh, which involves Fibonacci retracements or Fib levels. Uh, I know you've seen them all over Twitter. Usually they're accompanied by that rainbow-looking Square or box Uh, if you don't know what they are how to trade them. We're gonna get into it We're gonna get into how they're calculated what they are and how you can properly trade them But before we get into that two quick things Want you guys to head over to YouTube if you're listening to this on any of the podcasting platforms Uh, We're gonna be doing some live demonstrations Pulling up a lot of charts. It's really gonna be beneficial for you to be watching this on YouTube uh, and then second, I do want to give a quick shout out to the sponsor Crypto.com. These guys are killing it and have a huge event coming up tomorrow. For in honor of the having, they are doing a 50% off sale on Bitcoin, the king. Uh, you guys have probably heard me talk about these 50% off sales through the Syndicate, which is their fundraising platform. Uh, normally, how it works, you have to stake some of their tokens, CRO you can participate in the sale but for this one because it's the having they're doing it for free you do not need to hold any cro you can head over there's a link in the description below you can participate in this sale and get 50 percent off bitcoin uh there really isn't a string attached to it i know i've had a lot of people reaching out to me on twitter what's the catch how are they doing this why are they doing it uh it's to raise awareness for their company for their site for their exchange uh, and also to use for fundraising so head on over again there's a link in the description below I'll include a link to a blog post as well you can read all about it how it works now let's get into the episode with Josh so Josh before we get into your trading strategy specifically and get into this Bitcoin chart we're looking at. Do you think you could just give us a quick rundown on who you are? Give us a little bit of background uh, on what you were doing before crypto.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Let's see. Pretty much right after high school, uh, I got interested in joining the military. Uh, Took me another two years before I finally signed up. Uh, Went in with the Navy, uh, ended up... Being selected for a nuclear reactor operator program, uh, very intensive program. Uh, I think I had something like a 80% washout rate at the time. But it's all academic based. It's not really anything physically challenging. But went through that program, um, and at the termination, when you graduate and you go work on the ship, uh, you're basically monitor- monitoring reactor safety protocols for. Aircraft carriers or submarines. And it segues really nicely into into trading because uh, that job, I was pretty much sitting down for eight hours a day looking at 30, 40 different indicators of reactor safety, health, and identifying trend analysis and looking for uh, anomalies and that kind of stuff. Um, From there uh, towards the end. Perfect segue into trading. (laughs) <laughs> yeah skill set that crossed really well that right. I can't complain about um, so towards the end of my military career I was uh, stationed shore duty doing a lot of logistical supply chain stuff for refueling of nuclear reactors um, and overhauls they go through certain periods uh, and have to refuel over you know after however many years of operation and with nuclear material there's, a lot of red tape, as you can imagine, a lot of um, in-depth tracking of absolutely everything. So, like, you, if you take a screw out of the reactor core, you can trace that screw back to the mine that the metal that that screw was made of was mined, and you can find who mined it, what time of the day. There's a paper trail that goes from the, the entire supply chain, but it was still a paper trail when I was there back in you know, early 2010-11. Um, so the lead time on getting things approved and certified and transferred was seven, eight, nine, ten 10 days. And me and some of the other guys that were working uh, in the office that we were working in, you know, we're newer, younger group of people. And we, we saw that it could easily be automated. Um, the trick would be, you know, meeting all of the the legal requirements as well. But uh, for the last year of our time there, we worked on that and we ended up making a small company um, shortly thereafter uh, that did just that. So we, we essentially just leaned down the system that they had and made it digital and allowed for uh, tracking of all, and I guess it's all level, uh, level one nuclear materials and it cut the lead time down by like 70, 75%. So they're able to source materials a lot lot quicker. Um, And I'm not going to go too much more into that because it's a little boring and I don't (laughs) want to get...
0: um... No, I mean, it's pretty fucking interesting in my opinion, but we want to give the people what they're here for, which is maybe some of the trading stuff. Um, This sounds like a very prestigious job, and then you started this company... Uh so I'm curious how this all led to trading you know well, was,
1: right around the 3 year point um we got a, an offer to uh, essentially be absorbed into the existing system um and it was an easy transition we were just we went from our our military jobs to doing the exact same thing in the civilian world with the exact same people and then uh sold out you know, three and a half years down the road, and from there, I was allowed to essentially uh, pretty much retire with my time. And I just found trading uh, again; it transferred really well with my skill set. It has the same kind of challenges of identifying trends and looking for anomalies. And now I, I had the capital to be able to, uh, I guess, spend a lot of time trading instead of having to do it as my main source of income. So. Um, I used it as a learning experience, and I've been doing it for a few years now. Um, finally, getting good at it. it took a little while to get there, but
0: yeah, there's you know, definitely that's that. That's
1: pretty steep, much how I got there.
0: Yeah, there's that steep learning curve, but you know, you weren't struggling to pay the bills with your trading. I've talked to traders no, who say you know it was their main source of income, pretty much from when they decided to go full time. And it causes a lot of headache and puts a lot of stress on the trader. Um, yeah, I,
1: I got respect for them if they if they can make it through that because right. having to deal with with that would be you know just an extra thing that affects your ability to make rational decisions and
0: exactly not something I want to deal with. I was gonna say trading's hard enough to know that you're not gonna put food on the table if you don't do it right. Really, just adds to the stress of it. Um, yeah so really quick did you start with traditional markets or was bitcoin your kind of introduction to trading or
1: i did a little bit of equities stock market um so you know we just had the biggest stock market bull run of all time and who knows maybe it's not even done yet judging by how the stock market's recovering but it was fairly easy to hop into a stock and ride it up a few percent um so i started with that started with pretty simple uh, technical analysis tools, same thing that a lot of new traders start with, you know, they look at MAs and Ichimoku and, uh, you know, varying ways of identifying support and resistance. So I, I ended up filtering out a lot of the noise through that process when working with equities. Um, but crypto came under my radar again, obviously, like I, it was, you know, fall of 2017 when Bitcoin just started to make its parabolic run to 20K. Um, so you, side note, I had heard about Bitcoin in 2011 and then just ignored it. So <laughs> there's there's my story. But. Sounds
0: like, yeah, sounds like a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. So you talked about, you know, traditional markets. We've been in a very, very long bull run, plus 10 years now. Uh, it's pretty easy to jump into a trade, ride it up a couple percent, jump out. Uh, and then you said you, Bitcoin really came onto the radar in fall of 2017. Same kind of deal where, you know, you could get into a trade, ride it up pretty, pretty quickly uh, and pretty easily. And it was kind of hard to lose at the beginning for a lot of people. Oh yeah, So Definitely. was 20, December, 2017, early 2018, a humbling experience or how, how did that all go?
1: I actually did very well because I got in, I want to say early October of 2017 Okay. and I got a little bit of Bitcoin, but I was doing the same thing that most people do when they come to the space. They say, Oh, Bitcoin's really expensive. I missed out on the big run. What am I going to do? Maybe there's something else I can get into. And I actually watched, I don't know if you remember Tika Tawari from Palm Beach, Palm Beach confidential. I actually just wanted
0: to tweet about this guy. Uh, because he fell off the radar completely, but his, uh, confidential, his reports went crazy. They would just send Mm -hmm. coins to the moon. That's right. And
1: one of his first ones that that I can remember was, you know, I think I, I I got it through Timothy Sykes tick Twitter. And then, um, he mentioned, Hey, you need to buy XRP. It's going to go to the moon. It was at two cents at the time. And And it did go to the moon. It did. I I got in at two cents, wrote it to 20. And when it stalled there at 20, I sold out, bought back in, sold out, bought back in. I wrote it up to a dollar, sold out, you know, it went to $3. And I missed all that, but I still made good money. And then I rolled that into TRX because that was the next big hype train that the internet was over, made some good money on TRX. And then I did experience some drawdown after you know, December, 2017, early 2018, but nothing that compared to, you know, what I made. So yeah. I had a good experience and then just watching it crash that whole year, 2018, just bleed out. That was where I learned the most. I would probably say I could spend the time to
0: analyze what was going on. Yeah, there we go. So, yeah. <clears throat> you know, when when you get that introduction where coins are just ripping up you know, you're making two, five, 10, 20X, 100X. Uh, you start to feel like a genius and then, you know, everything kind of started to crash and people lost a good majority of their money. Um, when you say you learned from kind of the 2018 crash, you learned a lot of solid, I guess, info. Uh, what were some of those things that kind of you added to your trading arsenal as things were crashing?
1: One of the, I guess the most fundamental, but, um, one of the most important things you learn is, are you ranging or are you trending and then identifying where that ranges, um, if you are ranging now at the end of 2017, that was the very end of the trend, bull trend, right? Uh, futures were introduced and then that was the top came down and people were still thinking, Oh. It dipped, then it bounced back up to 12,000, 14,000, whatever. It's going to keep going. We think we're still in a trend. We weren't. We were distributing at that point, right? That was the beginning of a a ranging consolidation, distribution, whatever you want to call it, market. And when you identify that, um, it's easier to identify where you should be taking trades once the range is formed. Take the extreme, uh, you know, 6K was the meme support for the entire year and it was a good trade to take a long on a a 6k support test for most of the year you'd make a lot of good money longing 6k but over time you know support gets tested multiple times eventually it's going to break and the good traders that i was following and learning from they were making that you've probably heard the, the bouncing ball um comparison you know you bounce the ball extremely high went all the way to 20k the next time it bounces it's going to bounce high but not quite as high so forth so forth so forth and then eventually the ball just stops bouncing and that's when we got the the break in november 2018
0: that dreaded drop off to 3k
1: that was almost as bad as that march 12th thing (laughs) that we had not too long ago oh god
0: that was terrible people were losing their minds I did watch
1: both of those live and just watching the order books and then liquidations coming through and the responses on Twitter. Very similar. Uh, You know, this is the end. It's all going. Oh, I
0: I love Twitter on those kind of days because, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been around for a little while now. Uh, I I don't think I'm ever getting shaken out of my long, long term positions. Uh, So to see people freaking out and just losing their minds over these kind of drops, I, I find it kind of funny. Um, it really it just goes to show extremely. some the immaturity of some of these investors. Um, mm-hmm. But okay, so you talked about this six K support that we saw for over a year, about a year. Uh, I see you've got the four hour. You're pulling up the one day and the weekly now. Uh, so I, I was just curious: Are you more of a long term trend kind of guy? what What's your What's a high level overview of your trading strategy?
1: So I I do a little bit of long-term and then I do a lot of short-term. That's my bread and butter, I guess, is short-term. I got the weekly chart pulled up here and you can see, you know, this meme, 6K support, you know, 6,500 to 6K. And it lasted one, two, three, four, five, six touches, whatever you want to call it. Lasted a long time, but you can obviously see that it was trending down. Um, Now when it broke, you're looking for the next area of support, right? And then just the easy way to identify support. I always start with a naked chart um, because price really does tell you everything that you need to know. And then indicators and other uh, metrics will give you more precise info on what you need to know. But price will always tell you the, the general things you need to know. Like, I know that, I don't have volume pulled up here, um, but I know that when this broke support that this was a high volume candle, it's easy to tell. I can see it on the chart, for instance. So what you do, um, you just go back or I just go back and I look at the area of consolidation prior, or the areas of consolidation prior to moves up and I use those to determine if there's going to be an area of support. Um, so, you know, this broke 6k and then basically went down to, this little consolidation range here. And it stayed in the low area there. But um, let's go and you can see that we never really broke lower than that area consolidation. Um, if we had, I would have been looking at the next area of lower. And that's why a lot of people that uh, when we were down here, they were calling for possibility of 1,300 or whatever. That's that's where they were getting these numbers, is looking at the consolidation areas. Um, and I think the 1,300 number was like, yeah, down here on this little top before the entire parabolic move. We never got there. And that happens. You just have to play level to level, range to range. Um, so that's basically how I look at uh, high time frame overviews. And you can do the same thing. I think I tweeted about it a couple days ago, but there's a little range in here um, that you can see. Kind of acts like a pivot, uh, essentially right around here. Above this line, we distributed. um, And then it acted as resistance once, had a little deviation, as Trader SC would say, and then came back below it. we tested it as resistance. I think I even attempted to short like 9,600. Um, that didn't last long. It blew right through there. No, we're so, we're <laughs> in
0: a new paradigm now. There's yeah. there's no shorting this.
1: <laughs> we're in a uh, Paul Tudor Jones era. Right? So. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: But um, this would be yeah. an area now I would be looking, you know, if we close this weekly out strong, which we probably will, um, having isn't here yet, so... I highly doubt that we're gonna have a major dump unless it's right at the halving or a little bit after. Um, I do expect it, but I don't know. I don't know how big it'll be, but this is an area that I'll look at for support. Um, and then from here, you know, I'll go down to weekly, daily levels. Uh, I pretty much make my ranges out of the four hour range. Um, let's see if, no, that's not it. Nope, there it is. So for these, um, this is how I will make my entries for shorter time frame scalps or, you know, scalps that turn into swings or short swing plays. Um, I take the meat of the range that price was at before at this current level. So in this case, uh, you can see where I have this range drawn from, these two dots here. And then I have range extensions and you can see uh, they extend pretty much to the extremes of the range where the wicks are or about where the tops are and lo and behold when I go over here um, you know a high probability play is for price to hit the mid-range and that to act as resistance or support depending on what reaction uh, what direction you're headed in. So I actually shorted 10.50 just based on that, you know, I took my stop loss. Um, like I said, I had shorted right around 9,600. And the idea was this was going to act as resistance, which it kind of did um, coming into this new range, but they blew right through it. So the next high probability play for me was at the mid range. And then if that gets blown through, next high probability play would be at 10,5, looking for shorts, right?
0: Uh, okay so really quick i i I just want my audience to know because you're looking at this you see you know 15 different lines here they're thinking oh "Oh, yeah (laughs) hit any one of those right uh but you're looking at the kind of range high range low and then mid range is kind of your yeah areas where you'll be taking the trade
1: the red ones i have are you know it's the extremes of the range and then the midpoint those are the highest probability to look for for reaction Then if I want something lower time frame, um, 15 minute chart, five minute chart, whatever, I'll look at these black lines, which are the 0.5 splits, whatever you want to call them. But they're also, they either act as resistance or pivots a lot of time. And in this case, right now it's kind of acting as a point of control for this little range that we're in. But right now we have resistance at 1050 and support is being held by, you know, at this range for me. So, if I were looking for short-term trades, I'd be looking to long something in this range. Um, you know, if we wick down here, might take out these lows. Uh, there's a, a quarter split here. At the, um, so, high probability I would take a long here, a long scalp. I'd either take it back to this 0.5 level, or since it, if it takes the lows, I might even hold it, looking to break this resistance Um, and an important thing that i've noticed like a lot of people like to wait for uh, i don't want to use the word confirmation but they want to wait for assurance that the resistance they've taken or they've decided or the support that they've decided acts as a resistance or support before they take the trade so they won't take the first touch um, and they'll wait for the second or the third touch now the problem with that is it's now a weaker resistance once it's touched multiple times so your probability of you getting stopped becomes higher the longer you wait as your resistance or support gets tested so i usually take the first touch of these red levels high time frame levels and wait for the reaction because As far as I can tell, at least in my experience, I've I've back tested a little bit and I've been forward testing. I've been keeping data, but you get somewhere between like a 70 to 90% chance on high time frame levels of a reaction. Even if it's temporary, you still get your scalp, right? Because even down here, this was coming into this range. If you had taken the short here or taken the short here, you could have had a nice scalp either time. Um, But taking it the third or fourth time, you get blown out,
0: right? There we go. So this this first touch, first attempt, you're really just looking for a reaction right off the bat. Uh, mm-hmm. And then this goes heavily into kind of your risk management because, you know, a lot of the times it's going to just blow through these levels. Uh, so can you maybe speak on your risk management a little bit more, especially when taking it, you know, first time, it just hits one of these levels, then you go mm-hmm. for
1: it. Definitely. So... I'm just drawing up a little short trade. Um, so let's just say I was expecting 10k to be the top, right? The high time frame top, and we became distribution. My risk profile would have looked something like this. Usually, uh, again, this is just anecdotal and from my experience. When you get this high time frame level, it'll pierce it, but it almost will never pierce the next level like this will be the cap of the wick. So my, I usually place my stop loss a little bit beyond that. Um, cause if it blows right through there, then likelihood is that it's going to keep going or at least consolidate up here and my feet and you know, my idea is invalidated. So I'd look for something like this on the first touch. I'd be like, okay, well it's in this range. Now this is the midpoint. I'd take the short from the midpoint down to, you know, the extreme of the range. That's what I'd be looking for now. You know, if I had gotten filled here, um, after crossing this, you know, this point five level here, I would change my stop from a hard stop into a trailing stop, um, and usually use these as a guideline for how much I'm trailing, and then let it ride out. And that's that's my scalping short term methodology. So in scalps, you don't want it. To come back to your initial price and you know stop at break even, which you know you're still losing. So my idea, my uh, preference on scalps is take whatever profit you can um, as best you can with the least amount of risk possible. Um, swing trades, you know, if I think this is going to be a high time frame point and this is going to be the top, maybe I'll I'll put larger position less leverage no leverage have a deeper stop and let it play but scalping high time frame levels or scalping low time frame levels I, i'm just looking at um getting as much profit as i can as quickly as i can with little risk
0: there we go um, so that this is definitely dependent on what type of trade you're looking to make this long or short short-term trade Um uh, before we kind of dive into what we're looking at here a little bit further uh can we just speak on you know how you kind of differentiate between a longer or shorter term play uh if you've got both trades open at the same time because i know people who they take a long-term trade they kind of let it ride out and in the meantime they're scalping to kind of keep themselves busy is this something that you're doing and how do you kind of separate the two
1: yeah um Scalping, I usually do smaller positions, higher leverage for the quick returns. Um, so let's just say I bought back in um, some spot, I'm trying to remember exactly when it was. Ah, it was like somewhere around here. Um, once we had, yeah, it was a little bit after this. So we had uh, come back down and then bounced up strongly. Um, I bought some. S- some spot back here. Um, so I could say I've been spot long this whole, uh, run up, but you know, that's just a way of, that's, that's coping, right?
0: Now. Yeah. Right.
1: So, you know, cause I did very much try and short oh, many me of these too. tops um, you too. just because you, you can't look at the global background and see what's going on and assume that Bitcoin is just going to be the savior, especially since it, you know, went risk off with every other asset in the world. Um, but anyways turns out turns out you know high unemployment rates and a pandemic and all that turns out it's actually it's pretty good it's all okay yeah it's, yeah it's all okay
0: for deal. the market
1: yeah so we live in strange times but Very anyways um, I, I did make i didn't have any net loss you know i took some stops but i made some good scalps here and there and some some good little short trades but um so yeah a lot of times i'll have a spot position or a larger swing position, and then I'll counter trend scalp it, or even scalp with the trend just for additional profits. Um, so that uh, with longer term trends, I will compound. I, I don't compound when I do any kind of scalping unless, by any chance, I just catch the perfect wick and see a huge rejection in the other direction. Then i I might turn that into a uh, a longer term play. But um, so I, you know, I bought spot right around here. And I think I bought spot again uh, somewhere right around here added to my trade, my position, but uh, I'll, I'll do that on longer term. I won't do that on, on short-term trades. I like to keep my list risk very limited.
0: There we go. So that was a quick thing is when you're, let's say you've got, you know, your spot long, you're comfy, just riding it out. uh, And then shorter term, you go to take a short-term, short uh how do you kind of stop yourself from closing that spot long is there anything that you kind of need to reassure yourself with or tell yourself or how do you kind of separate the two completely
1: well they're not completely separate um but it's more of a what kind of high time frame uh structure is going on right so like this area for instance we had a, a decent length consolidation we started to break up um and then i think i started to try and short high 8, nine, 9k i have to go back through my feed and see when i started but you know i knew this was going to be another top for the higher time frame this is, you know daily chart weekly chart whatever so I had been spot long, obviously. I had you know, been spot long from a long time ago, sure. But um, when I got to the higher time frame here, I was looking at selling some spot as well as doing counter trend trading. Um, and I think I I sold spot at like low nine thousands and a little bit higher, and started entering higher time frame short positions and um, larger positions. For swings and also scalps at that point so it just depends on the overall uh market structure like right here i was looking for counter trends shorts in this area uh, just based on resistance level from over here um but i wasn't looking to close any spot positions yet uh, just i didn't see that this consolidation had played out enough for me to consider cutting any spot positions so it's situational. It depends on market structure. Um, like let's say I was uh, BTC Jack right now, you know, got in down here, <laughs> wrote it all the way up like a legend. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be looking to sell a spot until I see either the post having dump or, you know, some kind of massive rejection um, because this trend is extremely strong. But I am looking for counter trend short positions just because we're approaching the highs of the previous level on our previous structure here. Uh, you know, we might take them, we might, you know, go to new all-time highs like everybody wishes. I oh, am still skeptical. I still hoping think we're yeah. I still think we come down a bit. Um, now with the Paul Tudor-Jones thing, there's gonna be more hedge funds that are gonna be allotting uh, you know. A single-digit percent portion of their capital to
0: Bitcoin, and which uh, is still a lot of money. It but, is a uh, lot of money. You know, so, I, I think these guys make these announcements a lot oh, yeah. long longer after the fact. Like, yeah, I, Paul I'm Tudor sure. Jones
1: probably bought down here. Yeah, I think.
0: <laughs> exactly. He was buying near the bottom, and he is now yeah. announcing. After he looks like the hero, that and
1: he, he's announcing right when the having hype is at its peak, you right? Know, it's a little bit of we're going a to get game. a washout. It's it's going to be obvious now. Where do we go before the washout? Anybody's guess. Um, the highs is a good good idea. You know, we kind of have equal highs here from the the Chinese President G pump and then <laughs> this pump. So there's a good chance that we run these right before the having. Like I'm not going to be surprised if we do, but there will be a washout. This structure is very vertical. We're going to need to see some consolidation. Now, how far down it goes, I don't know. Um, I am you know, if you would ask me down here, I'd say, oh yeah, we could easily go back down to the low fives. Now I'll say, eh, not so easy, but I could still see, you know, maybe the origin of this massive vertical movement here. You can come down to the mid sevens. Um, but I just have to play it, you know, level to level, day by day um i I still can't i can't make myself as bullish as these um call maxis or whatever you want to call them (laughs) where they think we're going to a new all-time high like i don't care what the stock market's doing i don't care what the government say there's there's nothing bullish about 20 million unemployed in the u.s and however many unemployed in china and supply chains going under and you know oil prices tanking there's nothing bullish about that so
0: no yeah larger term financial landscape is looking pretty grim uh -hmm. but we can pretend that this is going to be our safe haven and that everything's going to flood into bitcoin i'm Mm -hmm. skeptical as well uh, but going back to what we had talked about it kind of when you're you know counter trading your spot positions on the short term uh you kind of just have to Remember to zoom out. I would say, because uh, yes. you can get real focused and get hyper focused on. Okay, I'm gonna take this short on the five or the 15 minute, uh, and that'll get people to say, oh, maybe I should sell my spot as well since I think it's going down. But as you zoom out, you can start to see the longer term trends and say, okay, I can kind of ride this out with my spot position. I don't need to get into this nitty gritty and over trade uh your kind of larger positions that you're holding and that's a great Beautiful. way to kind of not get caught up in the hype um mm-hmm. or i guess the day-to-day of things so really quick i was wondering because you had that range kind of pulled up i was wondering if you could kind of explain what we were looking at a little bit more i'm sure some of my audiences looking at these numbers are like what the hell are those uh, how are these numbers being generated How are these lines even being generated? So do you think you could walk us through what it is we're looking at exactly?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I'll just make a new one with this tiny range here. Um, So basically, I'm looking for the areas that price interacts with the most and the bounds in which most of price stays within. Now, I'm on my laptop right now, so I don't have sierra charts on this laptop Uh, it's a mac and it's kind of a pain in the ass to do from what i understand but i'll use market profile a lot to determine or to give confluence to my range ideas um but i took the sorry the the fib retracement tool and i just changed it into quarterly positions and that was an idea that i got from uh Trader Se watching some of his videos, um, talking to the guy, he's a good guy. But a lot of people you'll see, especially early on in their trading, they'll look at just the extremes of the range and they'll say, okay, well, this is the top, this is where resistance is, and you know, this is the bottom, this is where support is. And while that's true, that's not entirely accurate. That's not exactly where the true uh Support and resistance levels are. Um, so let me get this all in a frame. So just taking this little structure here, uh, I would most likely look at a range right around, probably right around, here. let's do a horizontal line. Uh, yeah, right around here as a resistance range and then support right around. Here ish, and now that doesn't look entirely perfect, um, and especially on lower time frames like this, you know, there's a lot more chop, a lot more extension and movements. Um, but if this were a higher time frame range, you know, maybe this is a thousand dollar price range or five hundred dollar price range. But that's the I'm looking at where price interacts the most. Um, and tends to stay within. So there's little uh, deviations, overshoots, whatever you want to call them, that come outside the range, especially on initial moves. Uh, like this was the local top. So this was the most extended move in, the, in this little structure. And then it ended up coming back below. But you can see it, this line pretty much acted as resistance here, acts as resistance here. There, it touched right there for a minute for support came back below, acted as support again, then came back below is acting as resistance, 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 resistance. And then right now it's support again. Um, same thing with this support level here. So I don't need to go through that again. But I'll take that, and then I'll say, OK, well, let's draw my quarterly range from here to here. And then lo and behold, you know, here's my range extensions seems to be right at the bottom, Uh, so have this as my midpoint, which seems to be the pivot level that I drew. Well, that's, I mean, it is the pivot level I drew, so that's the midpoint, and it acts as a pivot, so anything above 99.40, 99.30, whatever you want to call it, my bias would be to long towards 10.1, 10.2, and then I would look at my higher time frame range that I had here earlier, and maybe see if there's higher time frame targets to hit. But anything below 9940, 9930, I'd be looking for short bias um, and targeting, you know, range support, range low to the extremes. So that's pretty much how I build my um, ranges. And this is a, this would be a scalping range because it's a five minute structure. So you know, maybe I'd short. 10K again and target 99.40 or target 98.74, or target 9,800, et cetera, et cetera. Um, right now, I would not be interested in shorting just because we reclaim this level. Um, high time frame, we're very bullish still. Haven't seen any significant rejection from this level. Like 10K went down to 9,700, but now it's back to 10K again. So momentum is still with the bulls. Um, this is where you have to zoom out and look at, you know, this freaking daily chart that's insane. Right. Say, okay, we'll see if I short below that red line at 9330, I'd be shorting into the wick of this daily candle. I don't want to short into the wick of the daily candle. That's not with the momentum. Momentum is obviously up here. So looking for a long right now and targeting um any predetermined range levels I have. And I think uh Get rid of that one real quick. So this is my higher time frame range um, based on looking at this area here. So now let's say I long from 99.30, I'll be targeting 10k at the bare minimum for a scalp. If we get rejected there again, I'd probably just let it come back and stop me out or trail or whatever. But if we get beyond 10k, well 10.2 would be my next target. And that's Pretty much the last line of defense for bull or uh, for bears and the structure because we get above ten two we're definitely going to ten five we're going to take these tops and maybe go more so that's how I would look at my um, trading and do my quick analysis for my directional bias for the day. So
0: yeah, it was a perfect breakdown of kind of what you're looking at and how you kind of get your trade set up. Uh, do you think we could briefly touch on because i know a lot of people they see these charts they hear like fib levels levels they don't really understand what they are how they are generated can you maybe speak on that a little bit more because i know some people are like i have no idea what a fib level is i don't know what fibonacci anything is oh yeah so Uh, do you think you could maybe just go into a little bit more depth there
1: if well fibonacci sequence is a mathematical sequence discovered by i don't know his first name his last name is fibonacci and it's essentially a numerical sequence that occurs in nearly everything in the observable universe so from the ratio of you know to the you take a sunflower and you look at the center of a sunflower You take that and then you look at the amount of petals on the flower and the distance the petals are from the center of the flower that spirals out in a Fibonacci sequence. Uh, Snail shell has a Fibonacci sequence. Uh, Galaxy structures have Fibonacci sequence. Um, It's everywhere. So it makes sense that it's also going to occur pretty fairly often in um, financial markets just because financial markets in their purest form is just a reflection of human emotion, human uh, thought processes. Now, it's a little bit different nowadays, which is why a lot of the, I guess, older methods of trading, uh, they still work to some degree. um, But we have a lot more algorithmically algorithmically dominated trading systems now. um, And while they're programmed by humans, they don't react like humans do. So there's a a lot of different things to take into account when you're looking at sequences like that. But um, the standard Fibonacci sequence, uh, let me just put the original here. So these are the standard Fibonacci numbers. 618 the golden ratio this is the thing that most people are obsessed with you know if we have an extension and we see the top we're expecting it to come back to the 618 and maybe that'll act as support uh or vice versa you know if we have a bottom we expect it to come back to the 618 and act as resistance um a lot of elliott wave traders and just regular fib traders will do this they use it in um uh, to determine price extensions and retraces, and they also use it in time um, time analysis trading, which is less common in Western trading methodologies, but time analysis is actually extremely important in a lot of the Asian methodologies, especially in Japan. Uh, it's one of the things that Ichimoku is very overlooked in the Ichimoku trading system for Westerners, uh, is the time series analysis, but it's the dominant one if you are a Japanese trader. But anyways, that's not exactly related to fibs, but that's just how some people use them. Um, now, I just took the standard fib tool and then just repro or repurposed it and split it into quarterly ranges, just to make it easy for myself, not having to draw and measure them all the time. There we go. Um, the standard fibs I'll use more on high time frame structures because, especially like if you look at. I want to say it was the 2018 bleed out like every one of these tops was like a 618 retrace of the previous top
0: um so really quick here actually yeah i was going to ask if we could do if we could so say you've just got your regular chart up and because you see a lot of these these beautiful colored you know fib levels that people throw on their charts uh really quick I, I think one of the big issues I've had with people or I've heard people say about this is do I start from top to bottom do I go bottom to top how do I how do I set these things up so can you just give us a little tutorial on you know naked chart how you actually throw this thing on the chart
1: Yeah so just take this for example you want to start you start from the origin of the move right so let's just say we want to see where it's going to retrace from the bottom here. Um, just imagine that this half of the chart didn't exist. I don't feel like doing the redraw tool right now, but yeah, yeah. anyways, so oh, let me change it to default again. Sorry.
0: No, you're okay. Uh, let's
1: do that. Okay. So you'd start at the top of the chart and you'd pull the extension or all the way to the bottom. Right. And, you know, the easy way to do it is just extend the lines to the right. Cause price always moves to the right. So you start it at the top, and you know lock it in if you feel like it. That way you're even more accurate. Get the bottom, and then you'd say, okay, well the six one eight of this whole move is eighty three fifty four. So you know maybe I see this double bottom and this engulfing candle, and I get in, and now my target is going to be eighty three fifty four because that's my six one eight retrace. So you know you hold, maybe add here and you get to your 618 retrace and you take profit, and that would have been great. Now, is it guaranteed to reverse here? No, but it's a high probability, and the golden zone is the highest area of um, interaction for a a Fib level. Um, Usually from 0.618 to about 0.65 is the zone that you want to look at. Now, you could also have said, okay, well, this is a downtrend. I don't want to play a long-term countertrend. Maybe I'll just do a a smaller position but I want to get back in and write it down more like maybe I think it's going to 2k or whatever so the 618 would have been a good place to get back in because it's a high area of uh, interactivity and, and in this case and you know any case this year pretty much 2018 getting in on the 618 to short would have been profitable um, because if I pull this next one Get this one out of the way. Well, six one eight got front run a little bit, but you know, if you have proper risk management and trailing your stops, you would have been stopped out, you know, near the top and in that one candle there, and it would have been pretty quick, and you would have made good money still, um, or continued to short from here and rode it all the way down. If you're lucky, um, most people aren't that lucky or that good, but some people are, so
0: there we go so this is this is looking the way you did it uh you'd be looking to take a long or potentially enter a short so either position you can kind of get it set up top to bottom left to right Uh, i'm just trying to give people kind of a basic overview of how the tool works how to kind of get it set up on the chart yeah
1: because you can take it the other way like once we went into a bull trend here um you know, you take the lo- the last low before a move up, you take the top, and then you look here. See where this wick touched? Right at the 618. So you could say, okay, well, this is the first, we had a engulfing candle here, um, rejection candle. So now I'm looking, I wanna get back in and ride this trend up. So uh, hopefully I'll get filled around 6300. So place your bids around 6300. And, You know, normally maybe it would take longer to get there, but in this case, it only took two days. And when you see that wick back up, you know, okay, the trend is definitely still up because it just wicked $700. I got in at 6,300. I'm going to hold it. And then you see this 0.236 area hold as support for a long period of time. Um, So now, you know, you can move your stops up um, heavily in profit. You know, maybe move your stops up to the three eight two, where you're seven hundred dollars in profit still, and then ride the trend until you get stopped out. Um, this is about the only time I use standard Fibs is on the higher time frame charts because they do have good strike rate, in my opinion. But
0: seems to get rid of um, a little bit of the noise as well.
1: It does, and then you know, another easy way to get rid of noise: a line chart, like. You wouldn't have. And you looking at the line chart. Like it's a lot cleaner, a lot less noise. Um, but I don't think. I mean, if you're going to do extremely high time frame entries and exits based on a line chart, you can. But usually, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. Like you don't see this wick here. This is still above 7100, 7200, but it wicked all the way down to 6290. So you missed big profit if you just look at line charts but i'll look at line charts on lower time frames to eliminate some of the noise they help define ranges a little bit better than looking at candles with their massive bitmex scam wicks but um,
0: there we go okay so we've kind of gone over your trading strategy we talked to we did a little bit of a tutorial on fib lines uh, is there anything else to your trading strategy that you think you want my audience to know, or was that pretty much the bulk of it? There.
1: Uh, one more. Th- I mean, Chuvashov, Ch- Chuvashov forks. I th- I guess like I use that to determine trend strength um, in conjunction with some other things. So I don't know if you've ever seen a Chuvashov fork. Probably have.
0: I have. I don't know that my audience has. So maybe we could.
1: So let's just say you're just going to take it's essentially two trend lines, but the second trend line is based on uh, another point within the first trend line, right? So let's just say you took that first trend line, you know, from support to support where it bounced and obviously you can just play, okay. When this trend line breaks, I can short, but As you can see, if you would have just taken that short from the trend line breaking, you might have gotten some profit, but then it bounced back up and you're in the red waiting to see if you get stopped out or if it continues. ChuvaShot fork kind of gives you a little bit of a, a barrier to show you if price is going to have continued strength moving up or if price is going to continue to weaken and move down, vice versa. You know, you can draw it any way you want, but... Uh, you'll also see kind of variations on this where people will draw trend lines as um, parabolic tools uh, for parabolic advance. So you might see like somebody draw that and then draw from there up. And you can see Bitcoin is becoming more parabolic as we move on. Um, you, know, you can do whatever you want whatever your time preference is. But the idea is once you start to break these lines of parabolic advance, and these are just really staggered Chuba forks, like price starts to trade here. And if it interacts with the previous fork, it might act as a support and go up. But if it breaks there, highly likely that you're going to come down to the next fork line. Highly likely if you break that one to come to the next fork line, so forth and so forth. So a lot of people use MAs. Um, for similar kind of analysis for, uh, strength measuring and whatever works for you, you know, whatever makes you profitable. But this is pretty much the only other thing I use on a chart, um, besides the ranges that I showed you out. And I, I did, I told you, I use market profile a lot for confluence on my analysis. Um, I just, almost always start with a naked chart and then i'll move down into more specific things just to get confluence and better entries and uh, just more confidence in the trade
0: there we go so it's not just one thing that you're using i think i'm just trying to break it down as simple for my audience as possible you're actually using Um, a combination of a couple different um trading strategies kind of all mixed into one here yeah kind of
1: uh have you ever heard of a laplace demon with the Laplace Demon. Uh, I'll send you a, a little link to a Joe Rogan interview later. It does a good job explaining it, but it's essentially the idea that if you know the momentum, mass, and energy of any object or all objects in a closed system at any given point in time, and you have sufficient intelligence or computational power, you can determine past, present, and future perfectly. Um, and if you think of it in simple terms, this makes sense. Like if I have a ball in a vacuum and only one force is acting upon it and I, you know, introduce one other force, where is it going to go? Right. You can do the math. That's simple. The idea is, um, it's extrapolating it to not just one or two forces, but all forces that interact with something. And this is the kind of methodology that I see. Occurring more common in trading nowadays like high-frequency trading was a, a big thing a few years back um, But they're kind of moving away from that now into this Laplace demon uh, Ideology, which is essentially get as much data as you possibly can about everything sentiment analysis trend analysis volume exchange inflows and outflows uh news catalysts, everything you possibly can, and then input it into your system and determine your trading methodology based on that. And that's what uh, I think most traders are doing nowadays. And the idea is to, in putting into your system the only the things that matter because you don't want to overcomplicate your system, but you do want to have sufficient data for your system. Like I was short 9,600 yesterday or whatever it was but then paul tudor jones news came out and i was like okay well i'm gonna get stopped out i'm not gonna try and short again i'm just gonna wait now if i ignored the paul tudor jones note news and just looked at technicals maybe i would have stayed in my short or tried to short more or martingaled my way to poverty who knows (laughs) um right but you have to consider factors from every angle yes 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 that makes if sense. If you don't, you're limiting
0: yourself. Yeah, um, it, it, it's just hard because there are so many external factors. Oh, definitely. And Trading I think is difficult. Yeah, yeah, right. And I think that the system is ever changing. There are, there's always new news. There's always new exactly, you know, catalysts that are happening. So I think that's kind of the, I don't want to say randomness, but that's where kind of these. There's no way to have this perfect system that perfectly predicts price.
1: I mean, if you have a Peter Schiff indicator, counter indicator, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty accurate.
0: A, right? Yeah. No, strike it on that's like ninety percent or something like that. But okay, good. there we go. So that that kind of gives us a kind of all-encompassing view of your trading systems, or at least your ideologies. Uh, moving away from the trading system because i don't want to you know keep this too long and get too in the weeds i think people have a nice idea of how you trade they can kind of start to explore these indicators a little bit Uh, i always like to ask my guests you know what they're most excited for in the coming 12 months or so Uh, is there anything big that you've got going on or anything that you're looking forward to
1: yeah i've got um you know in my personal life i've got some business ideas that we'll be fleshing out in the next couple months. I might share on Twitter just because, you know, I I mentioned it once, there's a a real estate humanitarian venture that I'm working on that I think might be pretty interesting. But in the trading world, you know, the halving is going to happen. There's going to be a sell-off. People get angry. I'm looking forward to that um, because, you know, that's entertaining, provides more, more volatility to trade and you know, as a trader, the only thing you really want is volatility because um, if you don't have it, you're just bored out of your mind. Um, but I guess as we open from coronavirus around the world, it's gonna be inter- like right now, none of the markets make any sense. I don't care what anybody says. Like you can say Bitcoin is acting like a safe haven now, I guess uh, gold is acting as a safe haven Gold is pretty much the only one that kind of makes sense. The rest of the, like the equities market, makes zero sense. Um, the businesses are going to be foreclosing, government bailouts, and, and this upcoming. I get we're going to have a cold war with China, the West versus China. It's already started. You've seen the propaganda everywhere. I'm going to try and blame them for coronavirus and all of the economies. But 2020 has not had a dull moment yet, and I'm just <laughs> kind of excited to see. You know what else twenty twenty can throw at us? People are hoping for aliens. they did. They released aliens. Yeah, I was about to say they released the UFO footage. So yeah,
0: know, we got aliens. What's next? I don't know. Probably an asteroid striking Earth. Maybe taking out oh, the moon. There's,
1: there's one coming. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think it's like estimated to miss us by a few million miles, but we'll see. Right. Maybe maybe it won't miss us. Who knows? No,
0: I I am also excited to kind of see how the finance world in general reacts to this i think we're still very early days uh we're gonna need to see i guess the newest quarter of data Uh, we keep seeing unemployment rise uh, but it hasn't had any effect on the stock market we we yeah, continuing pump the crap out of it I was going to say market. we've continued to pump which is shocking to me I think when uh the next quarter of financial starts to roll in a lot of companies are going to be hurting it does take about a quarter or two for this stuff to catch up mm-hmm. so like
1: that all the uh, sell and may walk away thing might turn out to be true right um, but right now you don't want to play against the trend and the trend is clearly up um like the equities market if you're using the s&p 500 to look at maybe we've topped maybe not it doesn't look quite like we've topped yet but you know bitcoin hasn't topped gold definitely hasn't topped silver is lagging oil is probably going to start another oil war somewhere <laughs> eventually to get Who the hell you knows know that's what we do with oil um yeah it's, it's going to be Crazy for the times. Rest of the year. Yeah, yeah,
0: crazy, crazy times for anyone who's paying attention to the financial world. Uh, it's cool that we're kind of in the core of it and we've gotten so immersed. I know a lot of people have really, their interest has been sparked in the general financial markets after getting introduced to Bitcoin. So I'm stoked for those people to kind of start to explore the financial world as a whole, not just Bitcoin uh last question i always like to wrap up with some sort of big tip and for the trading episodes i generally like to do a what's your biggest tip for the beginners and then what's your biggest trading tip for the more experienced uh or intermediate traders out there uh just so we can give everyone you know kind of your biggest tip
1: so at the beginning when you start out trading you have no clue like you don't even know what a japanese candlestick is you don't know the difference between line charts and bar charts and all that stuff
0: There's the a lot there's do, a lot to to figure out when you first start
1: Oh yeah and and you'll see it on a lot of the good traders if you just go under any of their charts that they post and you see a lot of these brand new traders that you know please, sir, what's your target? What's your stop loss? Explain to me this tool. What is that chart you're using? I don't understand. Those people need to get off Twitter. They need to get off social media completely. I would not be on social media at all. um, If you're learning trading, you need to kind of isolate yourself in a bubble until you understand what trading is and you understand what markets are. But I would say even before that, you need to understand yourself. It's going to sound a little corny. Um, Know yourself, right? So, I did, part of my studying was uh, determining how humans make decisions. And there's a lot of good books on decision-making and every, everything that can influence you, right? So even the smallest things, like if you're hungry or if you're thirsty, like you might not think it's a big deal, you're just, oh, I'm a little hungry. But your body chemistry is completely different. Your hormones are at different levels because you haven't eaten yet. And that drastically affects your brain chemistry. You don't think it does, but it does. It's it's pretty drastic. Your body is designed to tell you, hey, I'm potentially about to starve. I need you to do something to feed me or to give me water so that I can have energy to perform my processes. And there was a study done about judges um, giving out harsher sentences based on whether or not they had eaten a pri- you know, before the sentencing or after the sentencing. And it, the judges that ate before gave 65% less time in the same crimes as the judges who had eaten after and that's probably not the only factor you know there's more factors but the idea is you need to know the things that affect your decision-making process so that you can eliminate them you want to have the most robotic response to your trading system as possible so as you're learning the basics you need to be learning how to become you know emotionless essentially uh, or how to control your emotions not be emotionless but Recognize when you're elated recognize when you're sad or angry or sore or tired or hungry or anything like that You need to know that as because it will affect whether or not you take a trade and one day You'll take a trade you shouldn't have and you'll pay, you know out of your pocket for it But hopefully you want to do that as few times as possible by getting to know your process um, for experienced traders
0: really quick. Sorry, let me interrupt you there because I think those are two massive things that you're talking about there. Uh, people, newer traders don't realize what an emotional toll trading takes on, on traders. Uh, and it really is a game in your head and not being in the right mental space will definitely affect your trading. I also did like the idea of not being on social media to start. I think that, If you are a new trader and you're on social media trying to learn from people, great, but also it can very negatively influence your trading strategy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you could start that foundation kind of off on a rocky start, I would say. So really try to distance yourself from as many people as possible. Learn the very basics. Everyone kind of has the same basic understanding of trading. So when you start there and you aren't influenced by the other people on social media, uh, it it can really have a positive impact on your long-term trading career. I've actually sat down with a couple other traders, talked about the specifics of social media and the effects of social media on other traders, and it's horrendous. So love that you touched on those two.
1: Yeah. There's a good documentary and I can't remember what it's called, but it's like former high up um, Facebook and high up Twitter employees that talk about how social media is designed, you know, to give you that dopamine fix to oh, make you yeah. addicted, all, all those things. And most of us know that, <laughs> but there's, there's other things. Like just little things, you know, maybe you say, Oh, I just want to follow these traders to see their ideas and, and get you know, confluence on my idea or see a different perspective. You know, that's, that's what they say. Right. But what really happens is, okay, I have my idea. I think it's going to go up. This other good trader has his idea. It's going to go down. That's a conflicting opinion. You should leave it at that. But subconsciously your brain is going, okay, well, I got to beat this guy. I have to be right. He's got to be wrong. So, you know, maybe if it moves a little bit beyond my invalidation point, like just a little bit, I'll just hold on to it. It's not a big deal. I want to be right. I want him to be wrong. And you don't have to admit it because your body will admit it. Your actions will admit it. That's how you're designed. That's how it works. You're going to be competitive and you're going to be, um, you know, looking for that dopamine satisfaction of being right over the other person or, you know, and and that's not something that will do you any good in trading at all. Oh no. Like you can come back later if you were right, come back later and look up tweets from two days ago and say, ah, you're an idiot. But (laughs) You don't need to do it. It won't help you in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, right. It that. is
0: not beneficial. And then on the opposite end of that, say you take a trade and you're one of those people who's a little bit more easily influenced and you have the right idea. You see somebody else who you admire as a trader, you look up to, and you see mm-hmm. that they're counter trading you. It starts to infect your subconscious and you think, well, why am I wrong here? And maybe they're right. Uh, and it could just be that you have it the right way. They're they're actually in the wrong uh, and that starts to creep into your subconscious as well. Yep. So uh, no. again, going back to just like this being a very mental game, uh, very. for the new guys out there. And then for the more experienced traders, do you have any tips for them? I mean,
1: you know, if they are profitable consistently and they know their system in and out and when they're right, when they're wrong and, and how to control their, their actions, like you're there, you're already where you need to be, um, you just have to execute at that point. Like that's one of the things that even the seasoned traders have issues with. Um, I'm not seasoned by any means, but the one thing that I struggle with most um, would be, I, I call it perfect execution. Like I've been executing better and better every day, but the perfect execution of, Hey, I did this analysis three months ago. And when it hits this level, I'm in, and i'm gonna take the trade and then you know maybe only one month passes and it comes to pass that your entry level is hit but it got hit so rapidly now i'm hesitant now i think okay well momentum and blah blah blah, and i talk myself out of it you just have to remain convicted in your system and execute according to your plan because nothing else matters like if you can't execute you've seen this a lot you'll have the best technical analysis all day long and maybe some of your followers take it perfectly and they make the perfect trade but you don't because you got in your head at the last minute right i mean how that doesn't help you at all you need to be able to execute um and not most seasoned traders don't have you know the fear because they have risk tolerance they have some fear but i don't mean like the fear of actually getting into play and getting on the books like early traders they're always hesitant to get on the books what do i do once i get filled oh what if it goes against me Season traders don't have that fear but there's still sometimes hesitation um and i think eliminating that hesitation will net profit or net more profit in the long run at least in my experience um you know i'll say oh it's at my level i should get in right now but it's not rejecting yet i, I guess i should wait a second and then it rejects 200 and i missed a perfect entry so
0: yeah See, what what I've seen is that newer traders, they're more willing to jump in and out of trades. uh, But once they get into those trades, that's where they have a hard time kind of sticking with it. Whereas some of these more experienced people, I think what I've heard from them is that they struggle to enter the trade Mm -hmm. when it gets there. But once they get into a trade, they're much more comfortable. They're okay to let it run out. But it's just entering that trade that's the problem for them when they have this perfect setup that they've kind of marked out.
1: Another thing you can see based on that is these newer traders are definitely using very small positions at high leverage. Yep. and you can see that like if I have a high time frame trade I'm about to take, I don't care if it moved fifty dollars against me or for me. I don't care. that's that's nothing. I'm looking for a thousand dollars or whatever it is. But the, these newer traders, you can tell they're at one hundred x leverage because it moves twenty five dollars and they say, oh, you know, you got I got to get wrecked. out right now. I got to get out right <laughs> now. Or, oh, you got wrecked. Or, oh, you're stopped out. And they don't understand it. Um, you'll see this a lot. Like a seasoned trader posts a $200 stop loss on a on Bitcoin. And, you know, it gets hit and they get out, whatever. They take their, their small percentage loss. And, oh, you're wrecked. You just lost, you know, that was a 2% stop loss. That's 200% of your portfolio gone. You just lost double your total money. Like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) That was his risk tolerance. He executed perfectly, no big deal. But these newer traders, it's like they go in with high leverage and their stop loss is liquidation. And and I don't understand that. Like that's gambling, it's fine. You're not gonna make what
0: it's not trading, it's gambling, and it's fun as hell.
1: If you look at it as gambling, like gosh, I can't remember the name of this scammer, but he would get people to let him trade their account. And then he would just 100x long in one direction with that, that person's account. And then another person's account, he 100x short. Whichever one hit, he'd say, oh, look at this. I'm an amazing trader. I did this, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he, he blew out thousands of people's accounts and, or hundreds of people's accounts. And then cut ties with them and said he was an amazing trader. And, and you get these, like, stories, like, uh, what's his name? The Boot where he turned like $300 into a million or whatever it is. And everybody thinks they can do that just by degen longing $50 moves. And theoretically you can statistically, it's not going to happen almost ever. And when you stop looking at the theoretical and start looking at the statistical and having the correct data, you'll actually become profitable as opposed to gambling.
0: Right. Right. Not glamorizing. A seasoned
1: poker trader versus a poker player versus a brand new poker player. The seasoned one knows the math. He knows the probabilities. He knows how to bet, what amount. And then the new trader just goes, "Oh, I think I can bluff my, you know, pocket two and nine and offsuit, and you know, I'll just bluff and go all in."
0: Right. Yeah. No. It's it's calculated risk, and you start to learn that as you kind of progress. Uh, so this this was a perfect episode. We got into your trading strategies. We talked about kind of what is helpful for newer traders, the more experienced traders. Uh, is there anything else you want my audience to know before we go?
1: Uh, I would say um, people need to start. I, I took the macro hedged options course recently, and I had done some options trading before, but I, I needed to get more educated on it. And I think any trader... Um, eventually need to start looking at options. Uh, the, for, first off, gosh, I'm stumbling here. Um, the SKU guys, SKU.com, they just came out with the statistics that I think Bitcoin has over $1 billion in open interest and options for like the first time. Um, and it keeps growing and options trading is uh, kind of a symptom of a mature, mature market. And with that amount of open interest, you need to start looking at options expi- expiries and looking at you know, the the strike rates and where a lot of that open interest is because it's going to become a more and more significant factor as we move on as it is in the traditional markets. It also, and I, I wish I would have started with options now that I look back just because of the defined risk that it allows you to have. Like right now, if I get into a, long trade on futures, you know, I have my hard stop, but there's that risk of slippage or there's that risk that, you know, maybe I remove my stop for some reason and I, um, you know, just keep rolling my stop back and Martin Gale again or something. I don't know. With options, your risk is much more defined. You can literally take it to where, you know, the amount that I put in is the only risk that I have. There's no possibility of losing more. Um, and you can play much more, many more setups, like when Bitcoin goes sideways, like let's just say we went sideways here on this chart, there is, you know, a little bit of play to had play to be had there, but it's kind of risky because you're at a support level and a breakout in either direction is going to be significant and you can get stopped out pretty quickly. So there's less trading that goes on here, unless you're a market maker, um, and you have a good market-making setup. Uh, but with options, you can literally you can go long volatility, you can short volatility. Uh, you, you have way more options to play, and you can make good money on sideways movement like this, or you can make good money on trending movement. So if I had any advice, it would just be expand your um, – you know, everybody says you should have multiple streams of income if you want to be rich. And this is true. You should also have multiple ways of trading if you want to be a good trader, in my opinion. Can't just have, I'm going to long and short, um, you know, few derivative contracts my whole life. And maybe you'll be very good at it and maybe you'll be profitable, but you're missing opportunities for taking trades uh, via other methods that you wouldn't be able to take with your single method, if that makes sense
0: that does and i think this kind of just goes out into the broad kind of statement of i think you should be well versed in financial tools i i don't i don't necessarily think that you need to be trading all of them at any one given point uh but i think to have a good understanding of how they all work at least at a base level is a good start so I, th- I think that's wonderful advice. Again, I really appreciate you coming on. It was nice to get into your mindset, kind of see how you trade, look at what you're looking at when you have the charts up. So Josh, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Anytime, man. Thanks.